Mother's Day, by the way.
know, this morning uh, we've been in this series called Sent, and one thing I know for sure is that as a mom, I'm sent to minister to the people under my roof. And if you're a mom, um, God has called you to do the exact same thing. So whether your children are already grown and you're investing in them from a distance, or whether you are knee-deep in Cheerios and poop, um, can, I get, can I get a witness? There is a real season called Cheerios and poop, yes. If you are knee-deep in that, um, everything that we do in the lives of our children matters in pointing them to Jesus, and we're planting seeds that, are one day, that will one day reap a harvest of faith in their lives. And so check out my friend Jennifer Goff's testimony about motherhood. I think that as moms, we have to share Jesus with our kids on their level. I think that their faith looks completely different than ours, and the things that are important to them and relevant to them may be different from us. And so I think it's just showing them Christ in the every detail of life and in the little things, um, teaching them to pray at a young age and then, and then watching that prayers get answered so that they can go, wow, we prayed about that, Mom, and God worked that out. And I believe them seeing you pray and seeing you in the Word and all of those things help them to understand how it all works together. Um, but I think that as moms, sometimes we underestimate our role in leading them and showing them how to have a relationship with Christ. We're who they see every day. And so um, we're who they hear from every day. And so all we can do is is point them to him in every situation that they bring to you. A couple of weeks ago, uh, Grant was watching something on um, his computer, his phone, and it was a Christian-based um, Superbook-type uh show and he was watching it and the show that he was watching piqued his curiosity about some things and I had already actually gone to bed for the night and um, he comes to me while I'm laying in the bed ready to go to sleep and he starts asking me all these questions mom how do I how do I know I'm going to go to heaven and I don't want to go to hell and all these different things that he is interested in knowing and it's just like it almost in a panic about it like it just it, it hit him so suddenly and um and so, of course, I got up out of the bed and left the room, and we, we went into another room where it was just the two of us, and um, we were able to, to, to talk about it, and I was able to answer some of those questions to the best of my ability and really just start telling him that um, all these things that you've been learning, you know, since you were very small about God and about these stories about Jesus, they've all kind of started to make sense to you. You know, you're, you're nine years old and it's, it's all come into life for you. The importance of your relationship with Jesus. This, that's why you feel this way right now. That's why you have all these questions. Um, you know, you're ready to to ask Jesus into your heart to profess your faith in him and that's what you're telling me right now and so um, we did just that I led him in uh, in the prayer and um, asked him to re you know repeat after me and he that night he gave his heart to Christ and it was there's nothing better than being there when your child turns their heart over to Christ there's no better experience I don't think in life than being able to lead them to Jesus Isn't that awesome Rest of the story, June, uh, the first uh, weekend in June, Grant's going to get baptized. Isn't that awesome? Man, I love that story. Hey, moms, happy Mother's Day. Thank you for everything you do. And if you would, would you please stand up?
Let's give them a round of applause, these moms. And I want to pray over y'all. Father God, I thank you for these moms and, Father, what they mean in our lives. And, Father, for some of us, uh, our moms have gone on to be in glory. And, Father, if this is the first time, Father, I pray that it just be memories that flood their, flood their minds with their moms and everything that they spoke into their lives. And, Father, for some, they're going, wow, I want to be a mom. I'm just not there yet. Father, I pray that they will be, and they will be soon. Father, whether that be through adoption or whether it be through, through natural childbirth, whatever it is. But, Father, I thank you for these women standing up and what they mean in our lives. Use them and speak to them today. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. You can stand. We're going to continue to worship God this morning. Just when you thought you were sitting down for a long period of time. I tricked you, didn't I? You know, um, God desires, y'all, he desires to reveal more of himself to us. And um, one of the things that's so important about corporate worship, about us gathering together as a body of believers and lifting our voices and our hearts to God, is that when we press in to his presence, something happens. We leave a lot braver. We leave a lot braver for to face the challenges in our own lives. And we leave a lot braver to accomplish his purposes outside these four walls. Because 2 Corinthians talks about how we're changed into more of his image as we behold him. And that's what singing these songs and that focused attention on him does in, um, in this setting. It just helps us focus our hearts on him and to see him more clearly. So as we continue to worship, we acknowledge that God's here, but let's invite him to reveal himself to us. Y'all on board with that? Yeah.
Lord, thank you for your goodness in our life. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Well, good morning, everyone. Thanks so much for coming to Centerpoint Fellowship this morning and, and, and being present and enjoying worship. Thank you so much for singing. Inside your bulletin, you're going to see a sheet that looks like this with a pink box. I want you to recite those three words with me on the count of three, okay? Did I go too quick? It says, Happy Mother's Day. So we're going to say that on the count of three. Three, two, one. Happy Mother's Day. Thank you so much for doing that. I know we've celebrated. I know you said it a ton, but today you can't say it enough. So make sure you say it at least 112 times. So you may have 100 more to go. All right. So thank you so much for doing that. We're so excited. Um, Downstairs, we've been doing a a photo booth for moms this morning. It has been a blast. So if you have children down there, make sure and do it. If you don't, just go by and do it for grandma. Do it for yourself. It doesn't matter. Score some bonus points. Inside your bulletin as well, the announcement sheet, just below the Happy Mother's Day sign is a box that says... Youth Beach Week. I'm Brandon. I'm the student pastor, and this is a camp that we're doing this summer for Centerpoint students of all our campuses. We'll be going to the beach on the date that's down there, and you can register this week on May 15th. We've been having a registration going for a while. $75 gets you in to uh, be a part of that. That's covering, I mean, the $75 registration, $250 for the camp. That's charter bus ride, all your food, lodging, everything that you're going to need for an entire week of camp is going to happen, but you've got to get to the website and get registered. And you know what? Since it's Mother's Day, Dad's Help, help yourself out. If you got kids at home, send them to the beach for an entire week. You, you, your wife will be ecstatic. You want to get her even happier? You go with them. Just get out of the house. Don't even be there. What, but mom, seriously? Mom's going to get an amen? Yeah, you, if you ever wondered, it's, not, it's Mother's Day all day. You can still get that done. So please uh, make sure and check that out. Hey, also next Sunday, uh, we're going to be honoring our graduates uh, from the 2018 uh, graduating class of high school. So that'll happen next week. But also, during this service, we're opening it up for all of our students to serve all three services. So if you have a teenager in your house, they can come and be part of the greeting team, usher team. They can serve communion. Um, we have, there'll be a student band on stage leading. It's going to be an awesome Sunday. So please encourage your, your teenager to plug in and help out. Also in your card, uh, in your bulletin, you have a connect card. And so this is a way we can get to know you a little bit better, know just a little bit more about you and how we can serve you. And then on the back is a prayer card area. Please take a moment if you have anything going on in your life that you want to share with our staff. I guarantee you these get prayed over every week. And we are so thankful and appreciative to partner with you in your prayer life. And we will do this basically till you tell us to stop. Like if you're like, you know, I need this to happen and it does and we're still praying. And you're like, stop, I don't need any more God. That's enough. Just come let us know. We'll quit. That has never happened, by the way. <laughs> you pray too much. Please quit. Um, so let us know. On the end of the road to the left, you'll find a small basket. That's how we receive our offerings this morning. We also have a number that you can text to give. Um, that'll be on the screen behind me, I think. And then also you can go to the website and sign up and do it that way too. Whatever way really works for you and your stage of life, man, we want to help partnering with you in that. So let's continue this morning. It's been a great day. God is good, isn't he? Oh, man, it's not just a song. It's truth. And so let's continue to proclaim that this morning with everything that we do. And let's pray right now and just celebrate. Father, we love you. Thank you, God, so much for giving us this day. Thank you for mothers. They are just amazing. Um, And all the stuff that they do, we thank you so much for them, God. Of every um, part of us, we've all had a mom. And we thank you uh, for giving us mothers. Father, right now, I pray that you continue to bless this service that that, Lord, you, you fill this place with your spirit and you move and do miraculous things and you teach us more about who you are because you are so good, God. And we celebrate that this morning. Pray also over uh, the, the time that we receive 
the offering, God, that you would just take that, bless it, multiply it. Father, you'd use that to glorify yourself and your kingdom. And we thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice. We pray it in your name. Amen. <laughs> John Schmidt, the senior pastor here at Centerpoint Fellowship, and I welcome you to the last installment in our series entitled Sent. We've been looking at the journeys of the Apostle Paul, where God sent him to spread the gospel to parts of the world where they'd never heard about Jesus at all. And everywhere he went, he told people that God loved the world so much, he sent his son into the world to pay the penalty for our sins, so that no matter who we are, no matter what we've done, we could have a right relationship with God because of Jesus. If that's good news to you this morning, would you say Amen. It's tremendous news. Paul couldn't wait to tell people. In fact, in your outline, you'll find, uh, inside your bulletin, you'll find an outline of today's message where I'm going. Point one is that we've been sent to tell the world the good news that through Jesus we can have a personal relationship with God. This is, uh, so this whole series, we're looking at how Paul was sent, and then today you'll also hear about people in our own congregation here, here and how they've been sent as well to tell people the good news. Paul put it this way. God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we've been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. I mean, Paul just couldn't get over this. He goes, do you understand this? While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It wasn't like we were all just clamoring to do what was right. In fact, it was just the opposite. When Jesus was hanging on the cross, he prayed for forgiveness for the people who were nailing him to the cross. He was praying for forgiveness for the people who were spitting on him, mocking him, saying, if you're the son of God, come down off the cross. And Jesus stayed there not because of the nails, but because of his great love for us. And Paul said, with all that in mind, in 2 Corinthians 5.19, God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them, and he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we're Christ's ambassadors, and God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. That's the, part, that's the biggest joy I have in this series. This isn't just a message of how Paul went out and told people, but we get to be a part of the spreading the good news too in our day and age. God's still sending people. In fact, in just a second, you're going to hear from uh, Jeff and Teresa Thompson, two people in our congregation who uh, had the opportunity to tell a lot of people, they, they found the opportunity to tell a lot of people about Jesus through an international student exchange program. Uh, Teresa got involved in that 
and didn't even realize it was this great ministry opportunity until they got into it. In fact, I'd love for you uh, to listen to them talk about it. Would you please uh, watch the video? Eight years ago, we got involved in the Foreign Exchange Student Program, and um, it's been a blessing ever since. It's just been, uh, I don't know how to describe it, it's just been a blessing. I've always had an interest in, in languages. I studied French in high school and college, always dreamed of going to France. And so when I found out a French girl needed a home, I just thought, well, that would be cool. You know, learn about another culture. Maybe she'll cook some crepes, which she did. Um, and that's where it got started. Next thing I know, the lady that got me started hosting asked me to join in on the team and help find uh, host families. So I got busy doing that. I was well into my first year, and then I realized God was doing something that I did not expect. I was just doing it because it was fun. My kids were learning about other cultures. I was making friends all over the world. But then as I saw, started seeing what God was doing. God had brought me into a mission field when I didn't even leave Prattville, Alabama. He had other plans. I had no idea uh, what he was doing. And every day I see different things. I, we've, seen, we've seen Christ move just by, by having a student placed in a Christian family. There was a Brazilian boy that was placed with the pastor's family. The pastor will tell you, I did nothing special. We prayed before we ate. We had a few study times. He went to church with us because he loved the kids. And next thing you know, he was being asked, he was asked, uh, asking to be baptized. So there are other times when students have come here and said, yeah, I know about God, but now all of a sudden I have a relationship. Why? They wanted to attend church with their host family. Think back to the German girl who the night before she was to return to Germany, she came to our home and asked to spend some time with Jeff and I. Her grandfather was back at home in Germany. He was dying of cancer. All she wanted to know was, how do I tell him about Jesus? How do I lead my grandfather to Christ before he passed away? Another time when it was about 11.30 on a Saturday night, we were woken up by a phone call. Sweet little South Korean girl. Miss Teresa, I just had to tell you, I just asked Jesus into my heart. There's no doubt that God is using me for a mission field, but I, had, I was not expecting that. I didn't ask him for this. He just used my love for other cultures, my love for teenagers, and and people and just led me into this going to youth group was my highlight in the week and i love going to church here like it's so different from germany we have like okay the i go to catholic church back in in my country but like this church i felt so close to god when i went there here and i love the music like the music it's just i don't know it's, i can't describe it but like it's it's awesome being here and like going to the church and like it's I, I i hate missing it when i do i hate missing it and i watch it on on a video when we have it like on you know on the computer over the web website and stuff it's awesome the way it's ended up is it's just no mistake we started looking at profiles and we started see recognizing more it stood out that these children they either went to church maybe once or twice a year or agnostic we've had um, an Italian boy that came and he was an agnostic and he he was a hard-headed agnostic <laughs> he, he did not want to believe and he but later before he went home he had two meetings with John you know John was able to explain it to him every question that Filippo had he was able to give him a direct answer 
and it was very impressive to Filippo. And he went home believing in God and even had him and his mom watched our podcast on the, on the internet uh, when he went home. Several students have done that. Yeah, you can applaud that. Okay, so that's why we're doing this series called Sent. In a minute, you're going to hear what Paul and Barnabas did on one of their uh, journeys where God had sent them. But we have people right in our midst. They're being sent on journeys of their own to be witnesses for Jesus. This brings us to life application, your outline. Telling others the good news of Jesus is the kindest thing we can do for them. There was a jailer in Philippi who believed, his whole family believed, and here's what Acts says about that. After Paul and Silas had told him about Jesus, he brought them into his house. He set a meal before them. He and his entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. Y'all, there are people all around us. They are dying for hope. They are dying for an understanding of how to get right with God. They're terrified about dying. They got so much guilt, their life is riddled with it. Where do you find forgiveness? Where do you find hope? Where do you find the power to change? And we have all that through our personal relationship with Jesus. So before we get to point two, I want to have a word of prayer. I want to ask God to fire us up about the good news. When you meet people who have just become a Christian and they come for their first Easter or their first Christmas and we just baptized them a few months ago, they bring in their family and go, oh, I'm so excited. It's my first Christmas. And some of us grew up in church. This is our 48th Christmas. Ah, it's Christmas. It's better last year. And we miss out on some of the things where people who are coming to this are going, this is the best news ever. And it is. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, I want to thank you for the opportunity today that we have to learn from your word about an important understanding of sharing the gospel and keeping a relationship with you first. I pray that you would remind us and supercharge in our hearts the importance of the gospel and of how good that news really is. Lord, that you forgive us, you save us, you empower us. And Lord, we have the promise of heaven waiting for us. And so God, I just pray that um, you would fill our hearts with joy today. And you'd give us a good understanding of how to be ready to share our faith whenever you open the door. Thanks for Jeff and Teresa opening their house and helping coordinate international student stays with other families. And they've seen you use that for your glory. That's amazing. You are so good. And I thank you, Lord, they could be sent right where they were, and you sent people to them. And so, Father, we're grateful for this day. I pray that you'll speak, move me out of the way, encourage us, In any way, we need to be encouraging so we can be sent wherever you're sending us. In the name of Christ, I pray. Amen. Point two in your outline, sent people focus on a relationship with God more than rules about religion. Now, when God opens the door for us, we've got to make sure we don't set up a bunch of hurdles for people to jump over before they come to Christ. And if you uh, don't know what I'm talking about, you will in just a second. Acts 15. While Paul and Barnabas were at Antioch of Syria, some men from Judea arrived and began to tell the believers, unless you're circumcised required by the law of Moses, you cannot be saved. Well, Paul and Barnabas disagreed with them, arguing vehemently, 
Well, finally, the church decided to send Paul and Barnabas to Jerusalem, accompanied by some local believers, to talk to the apostles and elders about this question. When they arrived in Jerusalem, Barnabas and Paul were welcomed by the whole church, including the apostles and elders. They reported everything God had done through them. But then some of the believers who belonged to the sect of the Pharisees stood up and insisted, Gentile converts must be circumcised and required to follow the law of Moses. So the apostles and the elders met together to resolve this issue. I mean, these new believers hadn't grown up going to synagogue. The people in Jerusalem, they had. They'd grown up in Jewish families for generation after generation after generation. And now Paul and Barnabas had gone out into new parts of the world. People didn't have any connection to historic Judaism. But they were finding a connection through Jesus. And their lives were transformed. Well, did they need to start adopting all these laws and customs? Was that going to be required? Is it was important for them to adhere to all these rules and traditions and customs? Well, Paul and Barnabas said no. A big reason why was Jesus focused on relationships more than rules. This is what Jesus said in Matthew 22, or here's an incident from his life where he encountered a Pharisee. One of the Pharisees, an expert in the religious law, tried to trap Jesus with this question. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? And there were more than 600, and they had had them all organized in a highly um, systemic you know, sort of um, you know, catalog of which commandments come first, second, third, and so on. Uh, and Jesus replied, well, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Second's equally important, love your neighbors yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two. So we can sum up the whole thing. I mean, if you want to know all of it, you can sum it all up with these two commandments. Love God with all that you are and love your neighbors yourself. Hmm. What Jesus wanted was he wanted people to understand that if we love God and love others, we're doing the will of what our Heavenly Father wants. That's doing his will. And when we come to Christ, we not only find forgiveness, we'll find power through the Holy Spirit to become those kind of people. That brings us to the next point in your outline, that the gospel is good news because a relationship with God is available to everyone. Available to everyone. Not just a small sect of people who are getting it right, but to everyone. We don't have to get cleaned up before we come take a bath. You come to Christ precisely because you're a lost sinner, not because you got everything going and you're doing everything the right way. I mean, there are a lot of people that feel like, I can't come to church. There's too many rules. I can't, I can't do it. And we go, no, come to Jesus. He'll change you. It doesn't mean that we don't care about holiness. It means that it's only through Christ that you have the power to overcome the sins of your past and let go of the things that have held you in bondage. I mean, it'd be ridiculous to try to do it on your own. And that's why it's available to everyone. The story continues, Acts 15, 7. At the meeting, after a long discussion, Peter stood and addressed them as follows. Brothers, you all know that God chose me from among you some time ago to preach to the Gentiles so they could hear the good news and believe God knows, and believe God knows people's hearts. And he confirmed that he accepts Gentiles by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us. He made no distinction between us and them. And he cleansed their hearts through faith. Peter had been as surprised as anybody. He'd gone over to a Gentile's house. All his friends and family were there. He'd sent for Peter because an angel had appeared to him and told him to go get Peter, who'd tell him about Jesus. When Peter got there, he shared the gospel. Holy Spirit fell on all these Gentiles who, had, who hadn't 
been practicing all the kosher dietary laws or anything that Peter had practiced his whole life. Holy Spirit fell on them just the same. And Peter said, well, we've got to baptize these folks. God's accepted them. Right before Peter had gone there, he'd had a vision of a sheet being lowered from heaven. It was filled with all kinds of unclean animals. And a voice from heaven said, Peter, get up and kill and eat. And Peter had always observed all the kosher dietary laws very strictly. He said, no, Lord, I, I don't ever eat any, anything that's unclean. And the voice from heaven said, well, don't call unclean what I've made clean. Don't do that. Three times this happened. And right after that, uh, the last time he saw the vision, um, the people knocked on the door and, said, and told him that he was supposed to go and tell this man about and his family about Jesus. And Peter reminded the group of that. Paul in Romans 1.16 said, I'm not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It's the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentile. I mean, the Jews practiced very strict codes, and they didn't even have meals with Gentiles. They wouldn't even walk into a Gentile's home. And now there were Gentiles who were coming to Christ, and they were worshiping together, and this just shocked them. Can they come in? God would accept these people? I mean, you had two very different cultures. And this message is important because we live in a very fractured society, too. We've got all kinds of divisions on race, on politics, on economics, on all kinds of things, on languages. And sometimes we can be just like these Pharisees going, well, now, wait a minute, I don't want to associate with that kind of person. I don't know if the gospel will work for them. And that brings us to life application. We must never allow preconceived opinions to keep us from reaching out. Never. The good news is for everybody. When Jesus confronted the Pharisees about this, they'd forgotten. They were very clear on the fact that they were God's chosen people. What they'd forgotten was is when God had chosen Abraham and said, I'm going to make a whole nation out of you, out of your descendants, he'd said, so you can be a blessing for the whole earth. Well, they'd forgotten about that part. They were indeed God's chosen people, but... He forgot that he was choosing them through which a Savior would come so everyone could come to know him. And Jesus rebuked them, saying, What sorrow awaits you, teachers of the religious law, you Pharisees, you hypocrites? You shut the door of, kingdom, of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. You won't go in yourselves, and you don't let others enter either. You say, Well, you're not going to get in. I'm not even going to waste time with you. And my goodness, that could happen to us too because we disagree with somebody's views on a political issue. We disagree with someone and the way they live. We're not even praying for them. And that would be a terrible thing. People need to come to Christ. And when they come to Christ, He changes the way we think. Think how much a relationship with Christ has changed you. Sometimes we forget this, how far we've come. And that's always the great danger is we can forget how much God has changed us. That brings us to point B. The gospel is also good news because we're saved by grace, which is undeserved kindness. Peter went on and he said, So why are you now challenging God by burdening the Gentile believers with a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors were able to bear? We believe that we're all saved the same way by undeserved grace of the Lord Jesus. I mean, we're saved by grace, not performance. And that's great news because if any of us tried to live a perfect life, all, every time we try to do anything perfectly, it doesn't take long before we mess up and we 
fail over and over and over again. If we were trying to live a perfectly righteous life, well, we could never earn our way to heaven. I never forget a few years ago doing a funeral for a woman who was beloved in her family. She was a great mom, great grandmother, matriarch of the family, and her family loved her so much, and she loved Jesus. And she said, I want to make sure you tell people, you remind people at my funeral that sinners are saved by grace. Now, my family's going to say all kinds of nice things about me, and I'm glad about that, but you remind them that I'm going to heaven, and it's not because I make good banana cream pie or whatever, okay? I'm going to heaven because Jesus died on the cross to pay for my sins. That's why I'm going, and you remind people of that. And I did. And I also had some banana cream pie that she taught one of her kids to make. But, but the point was is that she wasn't going to heaven because she was a good cook. She wasn't going to heaven because she'd been a good mom. She had flaws like all the rest of us do. She was going to heaven because Jesus Christ paid the penalty for her sins in full. Now, my friends, who doesn't need to hear that? This is good news for everyone. And it's not about our performance. And sometimes if we set this out, people keep thinking that I've got to do all these things. I can't go to church until I get my life straight. Come to worship now so you can meet God and he'll help you straighten your life out. You're looking at it backwards. God saved you by his grace. The Apostle Paul, Ephesians 2.8, by his grace, his undeserved kindness, when you believed, and you can't take credit for this, it's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done, so none of us can boast about it. In fact, that boasting is the last thing that God wants us to do. That's the life application. We must never become prideful and self-righteous about our faith. And this can happen to those of us who've been Christians for a number of decades. We have, God has empowered us through the power of the Holy Spirit to overcome some old sinful habits. We've changed our minds about a lot of wicked ways we used to think. We've gotten a good handle on the Bible, and we understand it now. And we are proud to tell people a few things that we've learned, and we're good about that and other things. And we can become prideful in ourselves and think, hey, I've got this down. These other people aren't near as good as I am. And the minute we cross that line into becoming prideful or self-righteous, that is sinful and wrong. Jesus told a story about this once. Luke 18 Jesus told this story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else. Two men went to the temple to pray one day, he said. One was a Pharisee, and the other was a despised tax collector, a notorious sinner. Well, the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, I'm not a sinner like everyone else. I don't cheat, I don't sin, I don't commit adultery. I'm certainly not like that tax collector, I fast twice a week, and I give you a tenth of my income. But the tax collector stood at a distance, dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, Oh God, be merciful to me, for I'm a sinner. Jesus said, I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. Those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. I mean, this is why pride is such a dangerous And scary sin. I mean, you think about some other sins that are big sins in the Bible. Pride is a huge one in the Bible. Think about some other sins that we are commanded to stay away from, like murder, adultery, stealing. Well, you could go to a worship service, and most people wouldn't be brave enough to commit murder in a worship service. They would not be brave enough or foolish enough to commit adultery in the middle of a worship service. Or to steal in the middle of a worship service. 
But do you know what is so utterly corrupting about pride? I could be in the middle of a worship service and become prideful because I'm singing better than you. I could be filled with pride that I understood a passage of scripture better than you did while I'm in church. Think about this. This is why it's just like a, an evil twist on anything. And that's why Jesus' harshest words in the Bible were for, for religious leaders, not because, they weren't relig- not because they were religious, but because their understanding of the Bible had made them prideful and self-righteous. And that's why he condemned and said, you are slamming shut the door of heaven in people's faces. You're not going to go in yourself and you won't let them in either. We all come to God because we're needy. We're saved by his grace. Now that good news will travel. But that's good news everybody needs to hear. Nobody wants to hear how great we are and how much better we are than they are. But everybody needs the hope of salvation through Jesus. The one who loves them so much he died on the cross for their sins. Paid the penalty in full. If that's still good news to you this morning, would you say amen? Amen. Mm. Story goes on. Point three, sent people care about relationships with others, not only relationship with God. And under that point A, we shouldn't make it difficult for people to come to Jesus. They're still in this council Peter stood up and said, hey, you know, come on now. We couldn't carry this burden. Why are we putting this on other people? Why are we trying to put down a bunch of rules? Well, everyone listened quietly then. This is from Acts 15, 12. Everyone listened quietly as Barnabas and Paul stood up. They told about the miraculous signs and wonders God had done through them among the Gentiles. How they'd gone out and shared the gospel and God even did miracles through them. When they'd finished, James, Jesus' brother, stood and said, Brothers, listen to me. Peter's told you about the time that God first visited the Gentiles to take from them a people for himself. And this conversion of Gentiles is exactly what the prophets predicted. And he starts quoting Amos 9. Afterward, I'll return and restore the fallen house of David. I'll rebuild its ruins and restore it so that the rest of humanity might seek the Lord, including the Gentiles, all those I've called to be mine. And then James goes on, he says, So my judgment is that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. That last sentence there is actually matted and framed on and hanging on the wall in my office. Because that understanding is important to the ministry we have here at Centerpoint. In, when James said, it's my judgment, we shouldn't make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God... That's exactly why we set up worship services and other things we do here, the way we do them. A couple of years ago, I had a conversation with a man in Montgomery, and I invited him to come worship with us here at Centerpoint, here in Prattville. And uh, he said, yeah, you know, I just don't, I'd come, but I just don't like to dress up to go to church. I go, we don't have a dress code. You can wear blue jeans. We don't care. He goes, oh yeah, but I just don't like to get up early. It's like we have services at 8, 9, 30, and 11. You can pick whichever one's convenient for you. He said, well, you know, but when you get out the Bible, I don't know the Bible. I wouldn't know where to turn. I go, that's okay. I've got all the notes printed, and we'll be glad. We have a handout. You can just read along in the outline. He goes, yeah, but I wouldn't know the words of the songs. We've got the words on the screen. (laughs) Well, I don't want to stand up and be recognized. We don't do that here. In fact, we have a Connect card. You can fill it out and drop it off after the service is over. 
He goes, well, I don't want to drive all the way to Prattville. Great, we got a location in Pike Road. It's only four miles from your house. And he goes, you are just not going to take no for an answer. And I said, I will gladly take no for an answer, but I will no longer take your excuses. Just say, I don't want to worship God. I don't want to be around God's people. Just say it. But that doesn't sound good, does it? It's a lot easier to say, it's too far, and you know, you know. No, I don't know. Look, I hope you'll take advantage of this. All of our worship services at all of our locations are set up this way. We want to make it easy for people to come. Easy to understand, easy to follow along. Visitor friendly. You can bring a friend. Please bring a friend. But they don't know all the Bible. I know that's why we put the notes here. It's why we can put it up on the screen too. We even have coffee and donuts if they didn't get breakfast. Seriously, we're trying to make this as easy as we possibly can for people to come to Christ. We'll talk about Jesus every week, I promise you. We love Jesus here. We will brag on him every chance we can and celebrate his goodness. But y'all, this is where we're sent. Into a world where people think church is all about keeping them out. It's not. It's about bringing people in. Because we want the Lord to change them. Point B also, we shouldn't use our freedom in Christ to indulge in sin or cause other believers to stumble. There were two groups coming together here. The Jew, the Christians who had grown up Jewish and their great, 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 great grandfathers had been Jewish, okay? And so they'd learned all these rules and traditions and customs. This was all part of their heritage. Well, now there were these Gentiles coming in. They didn't know any of this stuff. And so when the early, the founders of the church were trying to hold these two groups together so they could worship together, they also had a word for the Gentiles. So they wrote them a letter and said, okay, look, some people had gone over there and told you to observe all these rules. We didn't send them, and we don't, we're not for that. But we do have some advice for you. And so here's what James said. He said, instead, we should write and tell them to abstain from eating food offered to idols, from sexual immorality, and from eating the meat of strangled animals and consuming blood. For these laws of Moses have been preached in Jewish synagogues in every city on every Sabbath for many generations. Then the apostles and elders together with the whole church in Jerusalem chose delegates, they sent them to Antioch, Syria, with Paul and Barnabas to report on their decision. Well, the men chosen were two of the church leaders, Judas, also called Barsabbas, and Silas, who later became Paul's partner in ministry. Well, the messengers went at once to Antioch, and there they called a general meeting of the believers and delivered this letter. There was great joy throughout the whole church that day as they read the encouraging message. So, it was made very clear, we're not going to try to set a bunch of rules on these Gentiles so they can come to faith in Jesus. But there was also a letter to the Gentiles saying, hey, but you got to understand, the Christians here in Jerusalem and Judea, they've grown up generations and generations going to synagogue every Sabbath. And, and some of the things like when you guys have grown up in a culture where people eat meat that's sacrificed to idols, well, that's tantamount to demon worship to everybody who grew up here because that's what those idols are. They're demons. And strangled meat, I mean, that's forbidden in the law of Moses. And we have kosher diets. And 
And then the whole business of sexual immorality, I mean, that's just sin. You shouldn't use your freedoms to indulge in sin. And if you guys who are coming into Christ will be sensitive to these other believers who've grown up this way, we can, we can all work together so we can tell the whole world about Jesus. I mean, that's what's going on here. 1 Corinthians 8 and 9, Paul spoke a lot about this, about eating meat, sacrifice to idols. Two old chapters of it. Summarize it in chapter 10. It's in your outline here. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Don't cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews, Greeks, or the church of God, even as I try to please everybody in every way. I'm not trying to seek my own good, but the good of many so they may be saved. Paul said, look, I want people to know about Christ. We don't want to set up hurdles in front of the Gentiles coming in. And you Gentiles coming in, don't just spit on all these traditions and rules that people grew up with. Show some respect, and that way we can work together. That's what's going on. Because Jesus said, love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. He was helping the Jews who'd become Christians love the Gentiles who'd become Christians. He was helping the Gentiles who were coming in to love the Jews who'd already been there. So we could tell the whole world about Jesus. That's keeping the main thing the main thing. Christ crucified while we're still sinners. God's given us the job of reconciling people to him. He's given you that job. He's given me that job. Might open up an opportunity today. Thompson's opened up the door with these exchange students. They didn't even see it coming. Might be the same with you. Got a chance to talk to a friend. Start a new job. New co-worker. New neighbor moves in. All of a sudden, there's a ministry opportunity staring you in the face. Well, what are you going to tell them? Well, when the opportunity presents itself, you share with them how Jesus changed you. And his love is for everyone in the whole world. Would you pray with me, please? Oh, Lord Jesus, we can get all legalistic if we want to. Lord, we can uh, hide behind rules. We can make excuses. We can do anything we want to do except what you tell us to do if we get stubborn and prideful. And God, I pray that you would keep those of us who've been Christians for a long time from getting legalistic and prideful and insisting on everybody do everything the way we've done it or grown up with. Or that, well, Lord, that we're so smart. Lord, you'd remind us all over again how you saved us from our filthy, rotten sins, too. You'd give us for compassion whom we, for people that we disagree with completely. People on the other side of the political aisle, people of different races, people of different backgrounds. Lord, that you'd give us compassion and a desire to reach out to people who are not like us. You got to do it, Lord. We can't do this on our own. We just can't do it on our own. And we don't want to. Fill us with your spirit. Give us love for people the way you love people. And give us the right words to say when you when we open our mouths. We got good news. We got great news. And it's still changing lives all over the world. Thank you for Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Shelly, what's our closing song today? Blessed Assurance. Yeah, we got Blessed Assurance. It's an oldie but a goodie. 
And on uh, Mother's Day here, we're going to sing this and re- this wonderful hymn and remind ourselves of our blessed assurance that Jesus is mine, that we have a relationship with Jesus, and that's what he wants to share with the whole world. So um, would you please stand now as we sing this song together? Please stand. story and we're sticking to it. This is our song and we're going to sing it. Jesus loves us. He forgives all our sins and through him we can have new life today and eternal life when we die. Would you pray with me that we will embrace being God's ambassadors? God, this whole series of sin, Lord, it just is to remind us that We have the great privilege of telling people good news about Jesus. So, Lord, I pray that this would be our story and this would be our song. And we'd sing it proudly. 
And we tell it clearly. Lord, we thank you for Paul. I thank you for the Thompsons. I thank you, Lord, for every mom here who's had the opportunity to share faith with her kids. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness to us, allowing us to be part of the great work you're achieving in our world. I pray, Lord, we will leave with encouragement today and a certain and a sure and certain hope in Jesus. We pray these things in his wonderful name. Amen. Please drop your Connect card off on the way out. If you have a prayer request right on the back, just give us some information, and we'd love to talk to you if you've got questions. Thanks for coming. 